0: Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Thanks for joining me for episode 370 of Hippie Witch Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe and I am the kooky creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, Putting the K in Magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and All That Good Shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode, back on Vlog Talk Radio, where you will also find a link to my Patreon page. Because here's the thing. I have a new goal for Patreon, and I am going to say Patreon is the new sponsor of the Hippie Witch Podcast. My goal is to create $2,500 a month income through Patreon because that's enough money to pay my rent and to pay for my health insurance. And I've got a nice community of people going there now that have been supporting me for a long time. Thank you to everybody who has ever even briefly supported me on Patreon. And I really make it my business to make it a mutually supportive I'm not asking you to donate money. I am saying, hey, when you support the Hippie Witch podcast, you get all these groovy bonuses as a thank you. I create Patreon exclusive content over there and you can join us over there for as little as $1 a month. It's a super good deal. And I think the best part about it isn't even me. It's the other people. They have started hanging out. (laughs) I, I hooked my Patreon up to something called Discord. I'm not very technologically inclined, but I did manage to hook Patreon up to Discord, which is a chatting software something, rather. And now they're chatting amongst themselves and making friends, which I think is amazing because literally every single person that is supporting me over on Patreon is totally cool. I've never had a problem with anybody. They are the nicest happiest, most supportive group of people. So I feel very honored to, I don't, I feel like I'm a part of this tribe, not that it's my tribe. I feel like it's a tribe that I have been blessed to be a part of. So the thing about Patreon that's fun is you can set goals like that. So like I said, my first goal is $2,500 a month. That is where I live is really expensive. So that's enough to pay my rent And my health insurance, like I said, which will free me up, will free up my time to really put energy into this novel series that I've been talking about for years. I really want to get this out into the world in as big of a way as I possibly can. Since I'm the person who's always talking about creating the kick ass life of your dreams, last year I decided it's time to start pursuing my own while I am doing. The Hippie Witch Podcast and all the other things that I do. So I'm not a hypocrite. So I'm actually walking my talk and Patreon allows me to do that. So I'm a huge nerd. I will gladly do a commercial for my Patreon page every freaking episode of the podcast (laughs) so I can reach my goal and so I can introduce you all to each other because I know you would like each other a lot. And I have to say from this point forward too, I'm going to be doing something that I've heard other podcasters do, but that I have never tried before. I'm going to start thanking new patrons here on the podcast so this is one big huge thank you to anybody who has ever supported me there and from this point forward i will be giving shout outs to new patrons so if you sign up for my patreon and you do not want thousands of people to hear your name on the hippie witch podcast just tell me say yo i want to support you but i want to do it anonymously and i will not shout you out. And then before I move on to today's show, I just also have to say thank you to every single person who listens to this podcast and shares it on social media and and has given me a nice review on iTunes. I completely value you as a member of the tribe. You do not have to join me on Patreon. It's just a goal of mine. And there's a community growing there. But whether you join me there or not, we are kindred spirits. We are friends here, and I'm so honored that you listen to the show, and I just want you to know, I value you too. So having said that, let's move on to the subject of today's show, which is Mary Oliver and God. <laughs> we're going to talk about God. Go talk about God, and we're going to talk about Mary Oliver as a beautiful extension. Of God, God is the universe, source. You got to squeeze all those things in. The mysterious energy that creates all things. Mary Oliver passed away a few days ago, which left a big impression on me. Her life left a big impression on me. But ever since she passed away, I've been thinking a lot about her. If you don't know, Mary Oliver is a very popular, beloved poet. You probably saw The Day She Died... Mary Oliver was everywhere there was There were so many awesome tributes to her on twitter and i 'm sure every other social media out there people really love her and I am one of those people. Do you know her work i it's I actually quote her often on on social media, but also i've on my videos and my podcasts, I mention her from time to time because. There's this one piece, there's quite a few things that she has said that are very profound and that have become internet memes. But there's this one piece from this one poem, Wild Geese, that has become part of my, as Joey Morris would say, personal gnosis. It's, it's a cornerstone of my own personal religion. And it goes like this. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Gosh, I love that. I love it. The soft animal of my body loves it. I love it. There's so much relief and healing in that statement to me. And it has unfolded. It has continually unfolded over the years. You do not have to walk on your knees for 100 miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. What if that 's enough? What if that 's enough to just let the soft animal of your body love what it loves? So many religions teach us that we do have to walk on our knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting and it 's nice it 's nice to hear somebody, a respected somebody say the opposite in such a beautiful way. And I'm actually, I don't feel sad that she died. I'm not happy that she died, but I don't feel a grieving sensation. Like I have, there are celebrities that have died that I was kind of a mess that day. I cried a lot. There, there have been a couple celebrities like that. But And my first reaction was, I saw Cheryl Strayed. She was one of the first people posting about it. And she's who I got the news from that Mary Oliver had passed away. And my first reaction was, oh, no, she's gone. She's gone. But immediately after that, I was like, Wow, did we get lucky. I felt a huge wash of gratitude. I felt grateful she existed at all and that her work somehow found its way to me drip by drip over the years. Like What a life. What a gift to be able to touch the hearts and expand the consciousnesses. (laughs) How do you say the plural of consciousness? The consciousnesses of so many people through such simple means, words on paper, that just amazes me and amazes me. And poetry, his poetry itself has always been important to me. Poems and lyrics and words. It's just something my mind just works that way. My heart works that way. It's something I've always responded very strongly to. And it's definitely one of my greatest joys. And a good poem, a good poem can make you feel just like, ecstatic you know (laughs) super dreamy or over the moon and in my case I'm always like eager to share it with everyone like have you read this poem you have to read this poem I'm that person (laughs) you can't really do that in real life people just look at you like you nut (laughs) why why thank gods for twitter for twitter because Twitter is the perfect forum for shouting at people that way. Twitter has an awesome little tribe of book nerdy people, people that love books, people that love words, writers and authors and, and poets. There's There's a lot of... The thing about Twitter, I think all social media is like this, it will show you who you are. It will reflect back at you who you are. It will show you more of what it thinks you like. So, I can't figure out why it keeps showing me sports news. I'm like, Twitter, don't you know me at all? But other than that, it shows me like every poet and author's birthday and any b- book related hashtags that are trending. It'll like pop up in my sidebar. And so you can tap into this awesome community there that way and you can yell at them about a good poem and they'll be like, yes, yell at me some more. <laughs> I personally have written a lot of poetry in my day, a lot of bad poetry and some good. If you've read my book, Will Work for Food, you have seen evidence of both. So it is tempting today On this day, so fresh after the world, lost one of our greatest poets to sit here reading one Mary Oliver poem after the next, after the next, hour after hour. And believe me, her work is good enough to sustain that, to sustain a marathon-sized podcast. But I am not good enough. I'm not a good enough reader to do her work justice, so... I'll just save one to read at the very end of this episode. It's a good one. Maybe they're all good ones. They're probably all good ones. She was so good. But before I get to that, we must talk about God. Goddess, source, the magical, mysterious energy that flows through all things. The universe. What do you call it? I call it God. I am here today to talk about God because, Mary... Oliver's passing reminds me of that, and because, like I've already said here, I've had God on the brain lately, and that's a big, important part to me of having this leap year. My word of the year for 2019 is leap, and I am leaping into my faith as a big old God lover. I was going to do this episode on reexamining your New Year resolutions, but God Cut to the front of the line unexpectedly. The morning Mary Oliver died. I was like, oh, I have to talk about this. I have to talk about this first. So I will save the examining your new year resolutions talk for next week. Because it's definitely something I want to talk about before IMOC and the lunar new year arrives. Because those are awesome times to check in with your new year resolutions. Or to set them if you haven't at all yet. But for now... How did I do this last week? God, 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 god. I am a big old believer. I am a nerd. I believe in God and even more radical than that, yes, I am a witch, but I love God. I have always loved God because I believe love is God and I love love. I'm a Libra. Libra's love, love. Thank you so much, too, to Amanda Hope, who made a meme. She quoted me in a meme. She put love is God over the most perfect photo. It was a forest. It was nature. It was trees. Love is God. And that just perfectly encapsulated what I feel and how I've always felt. Since I was a little child, I was raised Mennonite brethren. I was a big old Jesus lover. But interestingly, something I thought a lot about when I started getting into witchy stuff is I started thinking about and remembering how when I was a kid, I always felt the most connected to Jesus or to God when I was out in nature. When I was in my swimming pool, I would like sink to the bottom of the pool and hold my breath and lay there looking up through the water, like shimmering. You could watch the sky through the water. And I would always feel a connection to God or if my family and I were on a road trip and I was looking out the window and I would see the clouds part just perfectly. And you would see those rays of light shine down. (laughs) And so many Christians, there's like posters. Well, there was in the 70s. (laughs) There's like posters of things like that, of like rays of light shining down from above. And it's like some Jesus Bible verse something would be like, superimposed over scene like that, I would see it and I would always just feel the presence of God in nature. And now that I've kind of come full circle to, I'm not, I am not a Christo pagan. I am not a Christian witch, although I, I feel like I gravitate that way a little bit, I'm not into labels, okay? <laughs> it's enough that I call myself a witch. It's That is a complicated enough label as it is. In some ways, I feel like I've painted myself into a corner because I'm someone who really loves to examine all these different religions and find the commonalities. Like, what's the common thread? What's the thread of truth that runs through all religions? Like, you know, all these different forms of... Buddhism that we have access to now as Westerners and yoga, Christian mysticism, some of the Amer- Native American uh, memes, basically that that's how white people get our Native American information. <laughs> internet memes but these beautiful proverbs and things like you can start to see this through line running through all things ancient cultures whatever we have remaining of them and you can start to see this truth emerge i read something recently that really interested me it was definitely by ernest holmes who is i believe the founder of religious science and He was saying, I'm going to butcher this, but off the top of my head, trying to get it right, he was saying something about how spirituality is always new. Like throughout history, there always is this group periodically that breaks off from the old ways and steps into like this new level of truth or just this new way of experiencing spirit. And I think this is me just interjecting my own thoughts on this. I think it's because we have to shake off the dogma every so often. It's like we have these beautiful spiritual truths, these, these books of, you know, of God, like every religion has their God book. Right. And then There might be so much truth in that, like maybe the teachings of Jesus, let's say, and then people stack dogma on top of it, their own fear dogma, their own desire to control the population, their own desire to control other people's bodies, to fear the other, blah, 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 all that stuff. And it loses its magic. And so there's always this group that has to break off and like step into the new And even like Wicca, for example, is not very old. It's not very old at all. And I'm sure it's nothing like the old religion of like hundreds of years ago. There's this romanticism that people that enter into the world of Wicca have about like, oh, these... They're tapping into the old ways. But really, Wicca is a very new thing. And even beyond that, it has evolved so much. I was just talking to my friends, my witchy friends, Molly Roberts and Jesse Huntenberg. And we were talking about how even in the amount of time that we've been on YouTube, for example, we have seen the witchy community change so much. Every year, it's a different thing and a different thing, and it grows and it evolves really fast because of the internet. And I feel like a dinosaur when I look back on the days when I first started on YouTube to now. It's just a complete evolution. Like, it, they're, the, the community that I tapped into originally is so different. It's almost like a new religion. And I just went off on a big tangent, but talking about God and calling myself a witch. I know there's a contradiction there because I'm not talking about Odin. I'm not talking about Ra, the sun god. (laughs) I'm just talking about God. God, the great it, the great it that is in all things. And I remember kind of circling back to this idea that love is God. You might remember, I should say, one of the many times that I have told this story about how When I was a kid, I used to write in my Bible and how one day I was writing God is love, which is, I'm sure, something that I heard in Sunday school or in a song or something like that. God is love is something you hear a lot if you're in church. But this one day I decided to flip it around and I wrote love is God. Love is God and something about putting those three words in that particular order felt so right to me. It felt like the truth and it still does. It still feels right even as I know the arguments that are likely to ensue after making a statement like that and I and I know what those arguments are because I've said it before. And people people don't like that statement. Certain people don't like that statement that love is God. And they will come back at me with things like, how can you say that, Joe? Look at the suffering in the world. Can't you see it? It's happening right in front of your face, more so now than ever, thanks to the internet. We see everything. Would a loving God create all that suffering? And of course I see the suffering. I've I've experienced the suffering. I see it. But I do not believe that it is created from love and I also will say there's a difference between pain and suffering, but that is a conversation for a whole other day talking about this idea that, you know, these, the suffering that is imposed on other people or the suffering that people impose upon themselves, I do not believe is created from love and that there is a distinction, a huge distinction between saying a loving God and love is God. I am not talking about a loving figure, much less a loving father figure up in the sky, bestowing rewards and punishments upon us. I am talking about an energetic force, the creative energy of love. And maybe this is where associating with the pagan community has helped me because I am quite specifically also saying that love is my God. Love is the creative energy energy with which I choose to create my life. Love is the answer to every problem for me. Love is the source that I am tapping into. You, however, are free to invest in and worship any other god or goddess you please. Love is cool like that. (laughs) Love is like, it's all good. It's all good. So I am not trying to sell anybody on my perspective. I'm just sharing it with you. It inspires me and it might resonate with some of you. I have found that to be true in having a podcast. So here's how I choose to see it. And let me first say that the only reason I am sharing this with you is because it has been so helpful for me. Revolutionary, really. And it might be something that you wanna try on first size just as an experiment, just to see if it fits, to give it a test drive and play around with it. What would... What would you create if you knew for sure that your life was entirely yours to create and that the more you created, the happier you made God? That, that magic is not blasphemous. That magic is not against human nature or against the will of God, but that God loves it. He loves it. You're making God happy or she loves it. The universe wants you to create. It is rooting for you to create. And this is something that really has clicked for me lately and is just something that's giving me kind of a thrill on the daily. And it is this idea that Source, God, the divine, can only do for you what it can do. Through you you are the channel. You are the vehicle for the divine to expand and experience more through you. That's why it loves when you create your own life on purpose, deliberate creation. What kind of life would you create if you absolutely knew that to be true? What kind of magic would you make? And can you suspend disbelief long enough to, to see? And as with any beliefs that I share, I am not suggesting that this is the one and only truth, only that it is a belief I have chosen for myself because it serves me, because it empowers me. It makes me feel capable and open and eager, eager to engage with life as opposed to some old beliefs I used to carry, beliefs that I that I did not consciously choose, beliefs that were chosen for me that made me want to shrink into the shadows and hide, always fearful. And it gets trickier when I say that choosing this belief has with practice become a deep knowing. And I know that's a little bit of a contradiction because I'm saying like, this isn't true, it's just my truth. But now I'm experiencing it in this really cool, freaky, knowing, the knowing, (laughs) the knowing kind of way. And I understand that that's a bit of a contradiction because to say that I know is to say this is true. So that's just how I have to offer it up to you because that's how I have been experiencing it lately. And maybe that will change, but I believe it is true. I believe it is true. It's definitely true for me. And maybe that's... Good enough. And again, you can try it if you like it and see if it works for you. So this belief, which has now evolved into this knowing, is not only is love God, but so am I. I am God. I am God. I am, like you, God experiencing itself. Like you, I am God experiencing The playground of this 3D reality through one billion trillion, gajillion points of entry. A billion unique perspectives. I am one of those perspectives and so are you. I know I have represented this idea many times in the past as a belief that I deliberately choose because it's a belief I love. But something happened over the holidays and this belief solidified into this knowing. It just through so much practice, clicked into place. And it has brought everything to life in this shimmering, technicolor way that makes me want to talk about it. Because <laughs> that's what I do. when I'm excited. I talk about it. And it has made magic more than an interesting way of life. It has made it so perfectly human, like human in a divine way. And, and this deep, deep, deep understanding, I think always in the back of my mind, anything to do with witchcraft or magic or tarot or anything like that, I think somewhere deep in my subconscious, I had this belief of maybe, maybe we're not supposed to do this. Maybe there is something wrong with it, or maybe people will just never understand. And that makes me vulnerable and something Clicked, and I feel like that voice was silence, and I really stepped into this knowing that it's no, it's not an act of evil or greed or blasphemy to perform magic. Magic is who we are, magic is who we are because don't don't talk about blasphemy. we are God. <laughs> we are each extensions of God, this creative life force energy. And because we are that, as they say, because we are made in God's image and we have been given free will, we have all that same power to create. And many of us call it magic or some of us call it the law of attraction. Some of us call it deliberate creation. Some of us call it miracles, call it what you will, but it's really just a simple fact of allowing and being that which you were born to be. And it's the most natural thing in the world. Furthermore, not to get too biblical here, (laughs) but in this context, original sin, the first sin, I've always hated the the concept of original sin. It's always really bugged me. Like, wow, we put that on babies. Awesome. (laughs) But in this context, original sin is really just a matter of forgetting who we are. It's forgetting that we are God incarnate, and that's all it means, right? And then also from this context, Satan is simply an anthropomorphic interpretation of fear, which is highly ironic when you look at all of the horrible things men have done to each other in the name of casting out Satan. They're actually creating from fear and therefore becoming the embodiment of satan <laughs> these god-fearing people become the fear they become satan in the flesh binding themselves to that energy even as they point a fearful finger at at the forbidden other and when you take a look at the bible from this point of view it starts to look a lot like an occult text buried in centuries of dogma, the dogma of fear laid over it to make you forget, to forget who you really are. And when I look at it like that, it all falls into place in a different way, my way, (laughs) And I think to myself, why shouldn't it? Why shouldn't it? I'm a 45-year-old woman who has lived a lot of life. I am raising, I have raised, and I'm still living with a 25-year-old young man with autism that has taught me so much about life. And I have been a spiritually engaged, seeped in religious person since birth, practically. And I have been dig, dig digging for the truth for decades, checking out and exploring a wide variety of ideas and traditions. So why? Why should my interpretation of of this book be any less valuable than some church scholar who has been dead for 400 years? (laughs) The path of the witch says, of course, it should not. It should not. Anything goes. Do what thou wilt and harm none. And it's all good. And it's really all good when I look at the Bible from that lens. And I look at all the different ideas and concepts in a new way. And I see like, oh, to be a witness is then not about converting others to my religion, but witnessing the God in others like namaste dude namaste the spirit in me sees you i am witnessing the god in you through the god in me and it's all so groovy and then jesus is not my lord and savior but he is speaking of groovy this super groovy hippie teacher dude who knew what was up he was a magician of sorts a master who performed miracles and said check this out anything i can do you can do also because the god in me is the god in you right and and these are not new ideas these are not my ideas i have read this and read this and read this for decades in in a variety of ways different traditions especially eastern tra- traditions that have been brought over to the west they say this repeatedly but i'm, I'm yelling at you <laughs> enthusiastically because again the knowing has descended upon me i have moved from the place of being like i like that belief so i'm gonna practice from that perspective to all of a sudden like this is real this is true and experiencing the fruits of that and Again, like just, just to harp on this a little bit longer, the only sin then is forgetting who you are. And that sin is instantly washed away by remembering, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost is my favorite verse from when I was a kid used to say that verse. Let's, let's say it Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which ye have done, but according to his or its mercy have you been saved by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost? You are the Holy Ghost, your own soul being renewed and regenerated by that simple remembering. All the rewords that we love so much at the time of a retrograde remember, renew, regenerate, return to the seat of the soul. The here and now. And one of the best ways to experience that remembering is just by getting out in nature, (laughs) right? That's why I cannot, I can't have, I can't come to a knowing like this and be like, I'm no longer a witch. Because Witchy everything, Wicca, witchcraft, these things have given me back to nature. They've given nature back to me, and I know the power of that. I know the power of walking the wheel of the year. I know the power of grounding, of walking barefoot on the dirt. I know the magic of creating a beautiful ritual, the art of spirituality. So it's, it's just fascinating when these things start weaving together, and the weave becomes... More of a tight knit, I guess I should say, because none of this is new. Nothing I'm saying here is anything that I haven't said before. It's just that that knit has become tighter and that fabric more sure, more confident, if that makes sense. So getting out into nature is one of the most powerful ways to experience the God in you, because you will feel it because nature is God, too. (laughs) God is in all things. All things are in God. It's all one and the same to one degree or another, depending on what you believe, right? Some people believe all is one. There's pantheism. There's animism. I love when Marie Kondo prays and speaks to her house, which is something that I started doing. I think she introduced me to that concept. She She practices Shintoism. And, uh, but it's fun now that she has her own TV show on Netflix and you actually get to see her do that at the beginning of every episode. She goes into a stranger's home. A lot of these people are Westerners that have never seen anybody do anything like this before. One family in particular is definitely Christian and she kneels. She finds the place that feels good in the home and then she kneels down And she introduces herself to the home and invites the home into the process that they're about to have with the Culinary Method. And it gets me choked up. That's the one part of the show that always gets me choked up. And I talk to my house now and I interact with my house in that way. And it's really a powerful thing to do. But having said that, (laughs) this idea that nature is God is something that, So many Wiccans and Buddhists and practitioners of Shinto and many traditions, old, old traditions and indigenous cultures, they will attest to this. They, They teach this. They know this. They've always known this. And they thought that us civilized colonizers coming into their territory, that we were nuts for forgetting who we are and forgetting what nature is because we were nuts and we still are. <laughs> we have deep deep deeply forgotten. We have we have been told that we are something else. It reminds me of this story, the story of the golden buddha. I forgot myself for a minute. I was in the car at Christmas time, a new tradition that has been born with my mom, my aunt and one of their good friends. We've been going to Pasadena to go to these open houses. They open up three beautiful mansions that are decorated with flowers and live music is playing. You get to walk through the homes. It's a fun thing that we do. And I was driving the car, just chit chatting away. You know me, I can't shut up. (laughs) And we saw we passed a Buddha somewhere and I forgot. Like they think this is blasphemous. Buddha. When I when my sister first came to my first apartment when I lived in Hollywood and I had a little Buddha statue, she said, Is this your God now? Like she found it offensive, which is so, how can you look at Buddha and be offended? It's just like this super fat, smiling, happy guy holding a bag of money. Like it's the least offensive thing ever. It's just like pure abundance and happiness, or at least this particular statue was. And so I saw Buddha driving these women, Uh, to the next house, these very, very Christian Mennonite women. And I just, before I could catch myself, launched into the story of the Golden Buddha. And it was met with with awkward silence before, (laughs) before the subject was changed. But now that I'm reflecting on this idea of how the truth has been buried by dogma, the truth of who you are, designed to make you forget who you are, that that you are an extension of God. You are God experiencing itself. And there's so much freedom in that. The freedom to create, true free will. We have been we have been educated out of this knowing. And when I think about that, it reminds me of the story of the golden Buddha that I also will totally butcher because I I don't know. I'm not a scholar, okay? But the way the story goes that I remember it is that there was some kind of war going on. And these monks covered a gold, a Buddha that was made out of solid gold in shit. They covered the Buddha in shit. The war carried on. The the pillaging happened. Everything was destroyed. And people forgot about this Buddha for however long, centuries probably, until one day it was rediscovered. Like people dug below the shit and they found this golden Buddha. And I think... That is, that's what I've experienced, and, and that's what those of us who are talking about, like, awakening to the truth of who we are, we're like, we're the golden Buddha under all that shit. <laughs> we're the golden Buddha under the shit. Hey, now, that's pretty cool. Again, like, religion, touching religion, touching religion, these little threads of truth woven throughout And again, nature can help you come to these realizations, like when you step away from the computer, when you step away from the office, when you step away from the education and you listen and you experience and you get out of your head for a little bit. And uh, some of us do this as as a practice and we are remembering who we are in little ways all of the time. And I think that walking the wheel of the year has been very instructive for me that way. And just as like, just a random example that I could give, like, just go with me here for a minute. Let's pretend, let's say that you just spent week after week after week working your ass off in a fluorescent lit office, hunched over a desk, staring into a computer screen from like sun up to sundown. You aren't even experiencing your day. You're you're living to work, basically, You and outside of work is just recovering from work, okay? And that's what your weekends are about, too, recovering from work. It's just work, 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 staring into the computer screen under the glare of the fluorescent lights, and one day... A friend comes along and drags you outside on a super sunny, beautiful day like it is today in Southern California. It was so gorgeous. So a day like today, a friend drags you, physically drags you out of that office to the park and lays you out on the grass to look up at a happy blue sky. with just like those super happy, fluffy white clouds slowly passing by. And you feel the grass and the ground underneath you. And you smell the fresh air. And what do you feel in a moment like that? Relief, right? You feel relief. Like your whole composition would change. Why? Why? I think it's because it's like coming home when you roll up your jeans and stick your feet in the river, or you breathe in the scent of a living pine tree, or you you use your fingers to carefully pat, pat, pat fresh soil around a tiny new sprout, your energy shifts and you can feel it. It's something you can feel. It's very real. And it feels like coming home to source, to God, to the goddess, to who you are. You are God, you are the goddess, and so is this tree, and so is that shroom. It's a remembering. It's a return to the very beginning and end of all things, because there are no ends. Every end is a beginning. And eternity is not something that you earn. It's what it's what you are. And, and I want you to know, <laughs> whether you reject this or agree with it, I mean this quite literally. I really do. And... Art will get you there too. Art, beautiful art, a great movie or really good book, a trip to an art museum, a gorgeous song or a poem. These are, they're portals to the remembering. I feel like that would, should be the title of something. Portals to remembering. <laughs> a return to self because these are deliberate acts of creation by our fellow human beings being God, right? They're creating on purpose. So this brings us back around to where we began with Mary Oliver, a magical creatrix because she combined art and the transformative beauty of nature with her work. A lot of her poems are about nature. So I will end this episode by reading a poem by Mary Oliver called At the river Clarion. And before I do, because we're such a mixed crowd here, atheists, non-believers who might be believers, but you're not quite sure, people that definitely never want to hear the word God and definitely not as a he, uh, those of you who are goddess worshipers, let me just say before I read this poem that Mary Oliver uses the word God and she calls God a he, okay? So don't let it offend you. that It's just a poem. but is it just just experience the poem set aside any weird feelings you have about the word god or referring to god as a he just to hear what she's saying i don't know who god is exactly but i'll tell you this i was sitting in the river named clarion on a water splash stone and all afternoon i listened to the voices of the river talking Whenever the water struck a stone, it had something to say, and the water itself, and even the mosses trailing under the water. And slowly, very slowly, it became clear to me what they were saying. Said the river, "'I am part of holiness.' "'And I too,' said the stone. "'And I too,' whispered the moss beneath the water. i have been to the river before a few times. "'Don't blame the river that nothing happened quickly.' You don't hear such voices in an hour or a day. You don't hear them at all if selfhood has stuffed your ears, and it's difficult to hear anything anyway through all the traffic, the ambition. If God exists, he isn't just butter and good luck. He's also the tick that killed my wonderful dog Luke. Said the river, imagine everything you can imagine, then keep on going. Imagine how the lily who may also be a part of God, would sing to you if it could sing, if you would pause to hear it. And how are you so certain anyway that it doesn't sing? If God exists, he isn't just churches and mathematics. He's the forest. He's the desert. He's the ice caps that are dying. He's the ghetto and the museum of fine arts. He's Van Gogh and Allen Ginsberg and Robert Motherwell. He's the many desperate hands cleaning and preparing their weapons. He's every one of us, potentially. The leaf of grass, the genius, the politician, the poet. And if this is true, isn't it something very important? Yes, it could be that I am a tiny piece of God. And each of you, too, or at least of his intention and his hope, which is a delight beyond measure. I don't know how... You get to suspect such an idea. I only know that the river kept singing. It wasn't a persuasion. It was all the river's own constant joy, which was better by far than a lecture, which was comfortable, exciting, unforgettable. Of course, for each of us, there is the daily life. Let us live it, gesture by gesture. When we cut the ripe melon, should we not give it thanks? And should we not thank the knife also? We do not live in a simple world. There was someone I loved who grew old and ill. One by one, I watched the fires go out. There was nothing I could do except to remember that we receive, then we give back. My dog Luke lies in a grave in the forest. She is given back. But the river clarion still flows from wherever it comes from to wherever it has been told to go. I pray for the desperate earth. I pray for the desperate world. I do the little each person can do. It isn't much. Sometimes the river murmurs, sometimes it raves. Along its shores were, may I say, very intense cardinal flowers and trees and birds that have wings to uphold them for heaven's sake. The lucky ones, they have such deep natures. They are so happily obedient. While I sit here in a house filled with books, ideas, doubts, hesitations, and still pressed deep into my mind, the river keeps coming, touching me, passing by on its long journey, its pale, infallible voice singing. No, don't you just love Mary Oliver? Don't you just, Mary Oliver is like touching God, I think. That's why I love her. I think that's why so many of us do. So next week, I will be back here talking at you about reviewing your New Year resolutions. And I hope you're having an amazing weekend. Until we meet again, much love to you. Peace.